report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, uh, we're here to talk about Bad Batch, Season 1, Episode 4, titled Cornered. Much like I am feeling when I'm trying to come up with a pun, but unable to do so. Uh, so that's my pathetic attempt at that. But now that that's out of the way, William, you want to kind of walk us through some of the announcements for this week? Yeah, so uh, first of all, a new rumor coming out of Variety. It sounds like Rangers of the New Republic may no longer be in development. Not too surprising, uh, honestly, um, but it's still kind of a bummer to to hear about. Again, no official confirmation. This is just a rumor, um, but... Yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, we still have the book of Boba Fett uh, coming out um, later this year. Hard to believe, and uh, Mandalorian season three at some point. And mm. of course, you know, Kenobi filming is underway right now. And uh, Andor, Don't forget Andor. Yeah, Andor. I think Andor is also filming now, right? Or or soon? I forget. I think um, it is filming already because people have supposedly posted photos online of the sets. Yeah, so, yeah. So there's there's so much happening. Like we're gonna be in a in a mode very soon where we have nonstop Star Wars shows, Um, but you know, right right now we still have small breaks in between each one. Yeah, as it should be. (laughs) Yeah, you you gotta you gotta you gotta. I mean, in some ways the night the break is kind of nice because then you really appreciate the show more. Um, You know, but like it's it's I mean it's hard for me to believe we're already a quarter of the way through the Bad Batch at this point. Yeah, so we are. Yeah, and we don't know if they're getting a second season. I mean, maybe they will, um, but it also might be one of those, you know, uh, standalone one season type things. I guess. I guess we'll see. Yep. I hope they we'll do. See. I hope they do multiple seasons. Um, in other news, uh, actually, not really news, but I just want to do a quick uh, mini review. So we we got a chance to review the art of Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge by Amy Ratcliffe, uh, who's a friend of the show. And, um, yeah, again, full disclaimer, she's a friend of the show, but I thought she did a phenomenal job on this book. If you're curious about the, the making of Galaxy's Edge, you know, she goes behind the scenes with the, uh, Star Wars Lucasfilm art department with the Disney Imagineers and and really talks about how the, the park came together. And it's, it's a wonderful book with beautiful, um, beautiful imagery. I, I don't know about you guys. I've always loved the art of books. They're some of my mm. favorite uh, nonfiction Star Wars books. Um, I, I, I like to collect them all, and they're just excellent. Excellent. So, uh, you know, five out of five stars, highly recommend it. And, you know, unlike some of the ones for the films, it actually tells the whole story instead of like leaving, you know, the, the end of the movie or something because there's no story to worry about spoiling. Uh, and they actually do tease in the in the book. Uh, they tease a little bit about um, the Galactic Star Cruiser as well, the Halcyon. So, yeah, check it out. Lots of really cool imagery and kind of what ifs. And they talk about what they thought about doing and didn't end up doing. But really cool stuff. Really mm-hmm. cool stuff. So highly check that out. That is on sale now. So with all that out of the way, Tom, what are we going to be talking about this week? 
Tonight we're going to be talking about The Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 4, titled Corner, directed by Sal Ruiz and written by Christian Taylor. In this episode, you know, it seems The Bad Batch has to go on a supply run, and it goes awry. It does. I mean, what else is going to happen to them? That just seems like a theme for every Bad Batch episode is the Bad Batch wants to do X and it went it went poorly. Yeah, right. yeah. In some ways, it almost at, at a very high level, there's a lot of differences, but at a very high level, it kind of reminds me of um, season two, the early season two of Resistance in some ways where like they're 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 kind of on the run trying to need a supplies, trying to catch, you know, get what they need. Um, right. Very different shows, obviously, but all, from from that standpoint, there's some mm-hmm. some parallels between the two. But- the difference between the two is, in this case, you've got four, I'm going to say this, wayward soldiers who have never had to do something like this in their life, where they've had to basically uh, barter. Uh, they may have to beg at some point, and they're going to have to fight their way out of situations that they've never had to do before. And this is going to be interesting, and possibly, I wouldn't be surprised being a minor theme going forward, because they're going to have to learn how to survive in a galaxy without the Republic as their backup. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in some ways, this was kind of a straightforward episode, but we actually get to dive yeah. a bit more into one of those things that I feel like on the surface might seem kind of, um, I don't know, less less exciting in some ways. But, you know, the, the, these guys are clones. They've never lived on their own. And, and now we're seeing they kind of have to learn how to fend for themselves and how, how do they get food how do they get um supplies and uh you know, fuel right how do you get all this mm-hmm. stuff when you don't have the republic supplying you and that's really what this starts to dive into yeah and the biggest thing i think they're going to have a problem going forward is credits because in this episode they had to deal with credits how are we going to get credits to pay for the stuff because everybody now is it's all about the money. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Stephen. First, um, what did you think about their uh, their plan for acquiring uh, the 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 impromptu plan? I guess for acquiring the credits in this episode. So, I mean, I I have to say, I was kind of a fan. I I liked when Echo showed up, like with his kind of yet again a new outfit. I'm like, oh, that's a very droid esque outfit. And mm-hmm. so the idea of selling Echo. For you know, getting three thousand credits to then let Echo you know turn around and leave just seems perfect to me. I don't see the problem here at all. I kind of felt bad for the vendor in some ways, like you know, <laughs> you, you, well, he's even also, like I'm trying to run a legitimate he, business, you know. I, he maybe he's lying, wrong. but <laughs> yeah, and and he also got very lucky because you know Echo could have blasted his way out of his his establishment, yeah. causing him a lot more damage than basically just you know three thousand credits. Yeah. I did love, um, I did love his like robot voice though, you know, cause he's like trying to pretend to be a robot. I, my only disappointment, honestly, was really that we didn't get to hear that more. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It, I was gonna say D Bradley Baker. Cause of course it just, it's always D Bradley Baker, but he did a fantastic job of taking a clone trooper's voice and making it, you know, that slightly robotic kind of tinginess to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In a very awkward way, too, which made it work even be- better. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I, and actually, we should, let's talk about let's, let's 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 continue on this this track. Let's talk about the the droids and how Echo kind of becomes a um, the the leader in some ways of this of this group of droids, king um, of the droids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and kind of helps king. free them. 
Well, yeah, it, but it was very funny because there was the one protocol droid who was just like, oh, you're not going to take my position. Then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, you're not a droid. <laughs> so yeah, CG67. They, the whole episode, they had this back and forth of like, who's in charge? And uh, CG definitely wanted to be in charge. But, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately Echo is because, you know, he has the ability to take off a restraining bolt and, and, and kind of, yeah. and we get to see how that, again, helps, you know, droids escape and kind of do their own thing i don't think they actually escaped though like my my read of the episode is echo breaks the restraining bolts off so that the droids can go help repair the ship and then he returns the droids to cg67 who i assume is heading straight back to where they started possibly i I mean that that would be that's an interesting question would they go back or would they not go back i don't know now that cg cg67 is free i just kind of assumed they were going to go off and do their own thing now, having repaired the the Marauder. You know what? They can have their own show, a show with these four. Yeah. How fun would that be? CG sixty seven, Clink two two five, and DK three. Maybe they go into a, the void. You know, um, possible. <laughs> they could. They could. They could just be guys. You know, uh, handy like handy Wars. robots walking around. And they yeah. could be just repairing ships. Speaking of Clink, it, it was cool to see uh, an LE series droid in, uh, it, you know, in show up in this style of animation because we saw one in Resistance, and, and that's it. I know it's kind of a fan favorite. That's the droid with like the, the big almost like tube like arms and oh and legs. yeah, that, that was a cool droid. Yeah, it's cool to see that kind of show up in other forms of of media as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's the one thing that you kind of like about the shows is because they're able to pull from other from, from previous episodes and previous shows. It really keeps the world building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of pulling from previous shows and previous episodes um, in the Clone Wars, we got to visit uh, Pantora, uh, the homeworld of the Pantorans. That's you know George Lucas's character in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, you can briefly see him as a, in a cameo role. Um, but we got to see the, uh, we went to Pantora, um, the orbit of Pantora where the trade Federation, I think was blockading the planet. And a lot of the mm-hmm. episode takes place on Coruscant, uh, sphere of influence takes place on Coruscant and then, uh, on the trade Federation droid control ship in orbit above Pantora. But we never actually got to see Pantora until now. What did you guys think of, uh, of this, this planet? It looked like a cool planet to me. I, I appreciated seeing it and kind of, I don't know, getting to see another kind of more urban cityscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, and I, this is one of the things where like, I, I haven't gone back and like rewatched the Clone Wars, but I had a couple of sequences during this episode where I just was like, wow, there's a lot of individually animated people mm. in this shot. Yeah. Um, which is just one of those not really cool details that I don't know if they could have done, you know, what the show had been made, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was. I just, mm-hmm. I suspect it would have been out of budget, but it just really added to a lot of, especially like the city uh, chase scenes where it's like, yeah, this feels like a big breathing living city. Yeah. Um, yeah. Compared that to like, look all the beginning of rebels where it's like, wow, there's like three people, three, co- three, there's yeah. three people. And, and three they're all, hallways, in, they're, they're all the main characters. <laughs> right. Well, um, also, also I think the best thing about it is you look at it from the point of view. Again, they have assets they could pull from, uh, more so Clone Wars yep. than Clone Wars and Rebels than Resistance. They could just pull those assets forward. It's close enough in style. It'll work. 
Yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you, Tom, like, do you, do you think it's more of a, a budget or is it um, like a larger budget for the show? Or is it a the fact that they've they're basically able to kind of reuse and just up res some Clone Wars assets? It it would get down to if they were to reuse characters, it depends on if they can pull that character into the software uh, that they're using at the moment. In some cases, if you pull something that's like a couple years back, you'd still have to tweak it to make it work within the software that's for this show. Mm-hmm. But it is not impossible. And then it also you will have to say, at this point, how much would the budget be to pull so many characters forward? I mean, that, that one Godel is just about in every single episode of Star Wars animation, period. Yeah. You know, he's either he's either, I hate to say this, drunk in one episode, he's cranky in another episode, he's he's a spy in one episode, he's telling on people in one episode, but that Godel is already is always there. So I could say this guy is basically somebody that we need to know because at some point, remember as I've always said, if you call attention to somebody, he's gonna be important at some point. At some point, that guy's gotta be one major character when it comes to animation. <laughs> yeah, the the one Godel I mean, shows up everywhere, you know. Yeah, he's like a yeah, you know, R two, Darth Plagueis the Wise. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. That would be funny if he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah hypothetical it. people, not real, not yeah. real. Hypothetical. You heard it here first. No, no, we did, no, we did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but no, no, I, 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 well, that's, Stephen, you're you're hundred percent right. That's one of the things I really liked about uh, this show so far is the fact that you're seeing all these characters in the background. It really feels lived in. Mm-hmm. It feels very populated. Um, and you know, whether it's a larger budget, which part of me doubts, uh, that it's a larger budget, even though it's on Disney plus and Disney plus tends to have large budgets. Um, or whether it's just being able to reuse the assets, especially because they had to do Clone Wars season seven and bring all that forward anyway, and figure out, they talked about how hard it was to, to bring all the old assets and, and start being able to use them again for season seven of the yeah. Clone Wars. And so if they already did all that groundwork for those Clone Wars assets, I would hope that it allows them to take forward all these other uh, assets as well, not outside of season seven and into the bad batch. And, uh, and so I think those the budget plus the the ability to use Clone Wars assets really makes it so that they can have this vibrant show and cast of characters. Uh, I mean, we got not just the number of assets, but we got, you know, Pantorans and Celestins and Godel and Gran and Aqualish and so many more, which you don't typically see in um, early seasons of animation. So it was, Mm -hmm. it was cool. Yeah. Well, you also see even during the chase scene, all those different vehicles that were flying through the sky. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. that, that to me shows a lot of care put into the episode because that's a lot of assets that there's probably cheats. I mean, they probably use like one asset like 25 times, but you never know <laughs> because they were flying by, but still but there's enough variety. That, that's a, yeah. yeah. It's, it's enough variety and it's, it's enough eye candy to show that, th- that they really care. And it, like you said, William, the world is just so rich. It's not empty. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's great. And you know, I, I'm, I'm glad they're able to do that for whatever reason, you know, again, like budget or tech or whatever. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so we, 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 we get to see Pantora. I thought it was a really cool looking city. Um, kind of had a, a more of a middle Eastern vibe, which is cool. And, um, you know, it's our, our first glimpse at the surface. We were talking about how, um, 
how they're having to learn how to to make money and in this episode like Wrecker learns how to uh bribe the the Celestin security manager and he of course is you know uh, hang on. Thrilled. I, I take issue with the word bribe because <laughs> that implies that he actually sorry I take issue with the word learn because I don't know that he did that very well <laughs> that's true that's true both well, Wrecker look, and look Tech of like oh they want more oh, I mean yeah. sure that's negotiation right yeah and, and like I said it gets back to you've got four clones that have never had to do anything like this and we are going to sit there as an audience, watch them learn how to bribe, how yeah. to bargain, how to do all of it, you know, for the first time. Because, you know, we know Cut was able to do it because he had a family. He was. A, but now we get to, and we never see him go through the process of change, but we get to see these four do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I think that's most fascinating about this show is seeing how the Empire changes and evolves. Yeah. Like we were talking about last week with the clone war or the clone troopers and all that kind of stuff, which I was a little bummed we didn't get into that in this episode. Uh, no crosshair, no Tarkin or the beginnings of the stormtrooper program or anything like that, which is, I, I get it, but I was a little, a little bummed. Uh, well, I, I will just say watching this episode, I'm going to say it now because I'll probably say it at the end, but it feels like a typical Dave Filoni episode to where there's enough action to keep you interested but it seems like it's a breather episode. We've kind of had two of them now. So I'm pretty sure the next episode is going to be one that's going to be rip roar and things are going to be blowing and up and Wrecker's going to have his fun by, you know, hitting things and, and all heck is going to break loose. Yeah. This to me felt like it was a typical felony episode, just like last week's, but it gave you that little bit. The thing that I was surprised about is when they were in the city and the clone troopers now, you know, the step between clone stormtroopers marching down the city and people basically cheering them on. It's like, you know, people don't you realize that, you know, if you go back to empire day for resistance, um, you guys don't know what's coming. You guys yeah. are cheering them on at this point, but mm-hmm. coming down the line, your lives are going to change. Like you wouldn't believe because don't forget, you got to get your serial number now or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Um, the it's I, I yeah I guess we'll we'll see. I, I I do hope we get more of that story. But I thought this episode was a much better tale about the batch than last week's, yep. uh, which was which was nice considering that there wasn't that crosshair and origins of the Empire story to, to kind of keep you interested as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big headline in some ways for this episode is the introduction of. Fennec Shand, though, the, in, in animation form. It's the earliest we've seen her in the timeline. She is, of course, from The Mandalorian and will be appearing uh, as Boba Fett's right hand, presumably in the book of Boba Fett. But Fennec Shand, played by Ming-Na Wen, is, um, made her debut appearance in The Bad Batch. Tom, mm-hmm. your thoughts on on Fennec Shand? I think they did a pretty good translating her. I, It's... I'm sure it's hard to take a live action person and translate him into animation to get him like perfect, but within the style and within who the character is, I like it because now we get to see kind of, let's say a little bit of her origin story and we get to see at this point who she's actually working for. That's what's going to be fascinating for me. Is she working for at this point, Boba Fett or is she working for the Kaminoans Mm, or is she working for the empire? But I think I'm going to throw money on it's the Camino ones. 
What's your what's your theory, Stephen? I I agree with Tom. I'm guessing like specifically the fact that she's looking for Omega makes me think it's not the Empire because they mm-hmm. they're more interested in the Bad Batch than anything else. Right. I I suspect we're gonna she's gonna be a little bit of an anti-hero throughout the series, which is we should actually talk about in a moment because I'm curious to get if you guys think she'll be coming back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, my, I think it's just she's. The Kaminoans hired her to recover their, you know, super important prototype, and we're gonna find out, uh, you know, if she's successful and why why the Kaminoans find Omega so important. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point because when I watched the episode initially, I just assumed she was working for the Empire as bounty hunters often do, um, and I was like, okay, well, you know, it's it's interesting that she's being she's she's being so friendly to Omega and so so nice, and she didn't ever like. You know, Omega goes off and kind of wanders off after this this doll gets stolen by like this dog like creature, and Omega goes after it. And that's when she bumps into Fennec Shand. And well, one thing before you, but really uh-huh. quick, was the first time we saw that dog was that in Resistance? Uh, oh, is I that the same Resistance so. that um, Tora had? The same dog? I think so. Yes, it, it did look super familiar to me. Yes. Also, yeah. just. I don't want to gloss over it. I found that entire sequence really annoying as well. Really? Um, <laughs> the dog? Yeah, like, I mean, the, no, not the dog so much as okay. Omega in that sequence. Like, because we talked about this I, uh, after the second episode, where I was like, I really hope Omega is not just Baby Yoda 2.0, where she's like, okay. oh, it's the child right. that doesn't know better. Such a great example. Like, oh, you know, Hunter turns his back for two seconds and Omega wanders off and causes problems for the rest of the episode. I was just like, can mm-hmm. we just... She's old enough. She should know better. I would hope. I realize she, you know, uh, not not a normal child. But it was just, right. I I still hope we're not going to see a ton of episodes where Omega being the you know not so smart child is uh, the plot of the episode or driving can, force. Yeah. Can I just say one thing? I would love to have that dog show up at Galaxy's Edge because I would like to buy it and put it next to my Lothcat faceplant. That's. That seems seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I would. I think because it actually, I would probably drive my real dog nuts if it barks. But you know, I. I yeah. Anyway, yeah. But no, I, Steven, I agree with you on that point. So. It did feel uh, un unlike Omega in many ways because she right. tends to be a pretty smart kid. You know, and yeah, yeah it's her first time yeah. away from. Camino. I think what I would have loved to have seen is maybe it could have been Fennec Shand in some way luring her out. Instead of it kind of being Omega being naive. Yeah. yeah. True. I think that would True. I think that would have solved it for me. Yeah. But the actor, like once Fanny Chan picks her up, like I I really appreciate seeing how she approached it. Like and that it again makes me think it's she's not working for the Empire because she mm-hmm. approaches Omega very almost gently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's trying to earn her trust so that, you know, this is an easy job. Right. Um the fact that when it goes wrong, Fennec starts shooting anyone and everyone in range is maybe a little bit more uh, imperial esque, but that's a it's a different issue. Yeah, but then again, it's about she's a bounty hunter, and what is she supposed oh. to do? And I you think know, she for, knows uh, she, yeah. she knows that like Hunter, he won't let her go back uh, to the Kaminoans, and so you know I think she, she as soon as Hunter appears, that's when the fire the the, the blaster fire starts, and I think she knew it was right. it was over at that point. Right. And she just had to try to capture to say, Omega. Yeah. And I, I do have to say one thing that I did appreciate animation wise is when Omega was sitting there saying, well, Omega was grabbing her stomach like she's hungry. Finish and says, hey, you hungry? Blah, 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 blah. But the business of them knocking that that um, 
that person who had the melaroon for whatever it was, and then helping her pick it up. And then the sleight of hand of taking two of them and putting it in Finnick Shan's, you know, she, she puts it in her helmet as they're helping pick the stuff up. It's like, I know it's animation, but it's really appreciative the care that these guys put into something like that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did. Totally I agree. I, yeah, totally. Again, the animation on in this in this episode and the the series is top notch. You know, from the yeah. number of characters and the the lighting and the 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 visuals and the little touches they add. The, these guys are uh, these they're 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 pros. Lucasfilm Animation. They know what they're doing, and they've mm-hmm. really gotten to a great spot, especially with the Clone Wars art style. You know, Clone Wars style yeah. uh, of art where they perfected it over you know at this point eight seasons. Yeah. Um, and it looks fantastic, um, but but yes, I mean uh, you know the, then the fight breaks out as you said. And we get this massive chase through the city. Oh, actually, I forgot. Omega even asks Fennec Shand to come with her at one point. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, Omega really trusts Fennec Shand, uh, and she was able to get gain Omega's trust uh, quite quickly. Uh, but, but then that gets back onto the naivete yeah. of Omega. And yep. I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting thing going forward, because Steven, you picked up um, Hunter would not let her go. And you knew at a certain point because of Hunter, the way he tracks, Phoenix Shan knew there was no way she was going to get away. Because if, if she is working with the Cameoans, uh, they would have told her each trait of these three clones. I don't know so much for Echo because they only know the well, maybe Echo. But more so, Wrecker Tech and Hunter, what their special thing is. So, yeah, she knew there was no way that she would be able to get away from Hunter if she were to ever get a hold of Omega and and get off the planet. Yeah. And we get that great, like, pretty intense knife fight right at the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. The detail with that went into that knife fight was fantastic. There's the moment I think it's, I think Hunter drops it and Fennec Shen grabs the knife out of midair for, like, a blow was very, very well done. And I like, it gave me some strong, like winter soldier vibes. Um, to use another, you know, Disney property that was had similar moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Phoenix had some awesome moves in the Mandalorian, especially, yep. uh, you know, in the last uh, few episodes of the season. And so it's, um, it definitely matches her character nicely mm-hmm. there. Um, I also yeah. appreciated that moment where Omega bumps into Wrecker in the in the maintenance tunnels, and, and you, yeah. you think it's gonna be Fennec Shan, and they really build up that tension, and boom, it's actually it's actually Wrecker. Uh, Again, yeah, some very nicely nicely done. And you have to you have to do a callback to the you know maintenance tunnels because it seems like in every episode they're either going into air ducts or maintenance tunnels. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, the one yeah. one thing I was a little a little odd that the latter leading out of the maintenance tunnels comes out at the top of a giant tower. <laughs> well, but, but you know what? I totally agree, but it really sets up a good, you know, tense moment Yeah. to where here you have Omega just about ready to fall. And who's the one that grabs it? You would, you would have hoped it would have been Hunter or I don't know. Yeah. Record would have probably done it. They set it but, up to make you, you think know, it was going to be Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. But it ends up being Phoenix Shan. Again, I think reinforcing your theory that I I, I love. I, it was not. I was. I don't know why I didn't think of that at first. That I think the Kaminoans are behind this because mm-hmm. um, 
Fennec is very, very nice to Omega and very, she's trying to save her and help her out, even though she's fighting the rest of the batch. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? Now that I think about it, it almost makes sense that she's working for the Cameoans because they hired bounty hunters to train the clones. That's a great point, actually. You're right. You are, yeah. Actually, that would that would fit their mo. So, oh man. Go ahead, Stephen. Come on, go ahead. Sorry, right, this is I'm. I'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat here for a moment. So we <laughs> talked the other day. What we were talking? Sorry, the Cam- We know the Caminoans are lacking in what do they call it? Like the prime material or something along those lines. Right. Right. Because the Django Fett genome is degrading over time. Yes. Right. And so we were hypothesizing about, you know, what, where does that fit in? And one of the things that I think is looking more and more true is that the reason they're going after Omega is Omega is in some way an attempt to correct that deficiency on their side. Does that, does that seem like a reasonable assumption? It seems like a reasonable assumption, but to what end? If they yeah, so if I mean, they've created a clone army, if they created a clone army, why all of a sudden this one ends up being female? To what end can can the female uh, within the Imperial or even the Republic? They're, they're looking to build like I interpreted that as they're looking to ensure that they have they can continue creating strong soldiers going forward. The current okay. clone material is deficient. They have created or are growing Omega. Um, in order to uh, solve that problem. And do you think she and, has no and, growth acceleration then? And she's just I was about to say, like, unaltered? Well, she's an part. unaltered clone um, and so on. Yeah. But I, I, or mostly unaltered, given that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if you remember our discussion from that previous episode, the thing, my hypothesis was, I think this is a Boba Fett thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Boba Fett is the solution. And it just occurred to me, do the Kaminoans know that Boba Fett is still alive? That's a good point, because I was going to bring that up. We've been assuming that they do, Hmm. but I bet you they don't. The last they would have seen of Boba Fett is he went off with Jango Fett, who was then killed. Interesting. Well, And so I wonder if, as Fennec Shan continues playing this kind of anti-hero role throughout the show... If she knows why the Kaminoans are looking for Omega, and she might as part of, you know, knowing not to harm her and so on. I wonder if she right. runs across Boba Fett and that becomes the solution to the Kaminoans problem. Also, neatly links up Fennec Shand with Boba Fett, setting up their, uh, uh, I guess it'd become their... Their episode, their show's their, five years later. Exactly. I, I really like that theory. I could I, see that happening. Wow. I'm feeling like it. It didn't hit me until we saw Fennec Shan going after Omega because I was like, "Why? Are, why not? Why would they not say, go after Boba Fett?" But they don't know Boba Fett is alive, yeah. and all all the pieces come neatly together. Maybe. And so they hired you, Fennec Shan. She eventually finds out about Boba Fett, and, and somehow introduce the two. Or, or, or she now she now meets Boba Fett. Maybe they don't. He doesn't go back to the Kaminoans, but at least they've met. Yeah. Hmm. Who's you guys to say that Boba Fett doesn't chance? run across the Bad Batch at some point? I think he will. Yeah. But do, do you guys think we'll see Fennec Shand later on in the season? Oh, I, I would for hope sure. So. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, my my theory is 
they would not they would be crazy to promote well i'm sorry they did it with um i really hate to say this they they ended up doing with uh darth maul but they would be crazy to literally promote a character like crazy Maning when gonna be in in bad batch and then you see her in one episode and gone uh that kind of happened with darth maul where it's like all this merchandise here's darth maul great character boom he gets sliced in half at the end of the first episode Never to be seen, never to be seen again in, until resurrected until Clone Wars. So yeah, but I mean, he's also the villain for like the a whole movie. But you know, I think in this case, yeah, but Fennec, he sliced in half. That's true. He that's was, true. He was, but it's it's one of those in which if you're going to promote the sorry, I, I, I'm going to get on a soapbox on this one. <laughs> if you're going to promote a character like crazy, like they did with all the merchandise, and just like you're a really cool character. Oh my god, this is great, great, great. You carry him into the second and third episode and kill him in the third episode. Not at the end of the first. I mean, you could also say Although, that about there was a point. old Ben Kenobi. Yeah, there, so. there was a total setup. Yeah, yeah. But still. <laughs> I'm uh, off my this soapbox. is a different but, discussion. But, <laughs> I'm off my soapbox. But, so, the, the point I was going to say was, though, um, the Bad Batch, they they explicitly say, we know she's a bounty hunter. She must be a bounty hunter. We are going to find out who hired her. They, they, they resolve to find out who hired her. And... At the end of the episode, we see Fennec Shand calling into someone to report the batch got away and promising she'll find them. That is clearly right. a setup for her to return yep. later in the season. Well, she also she also threatens the security manager um, where the Bad Batch ended up mm-hmm. landing their ship. So you know she's going to be coming back because she threw the guy credits and said, if they come back, let me know. Yeah. I would hope they would be smart enough not to go back. Unless something somehow kind of forces them to go back. I so. I think I, I agree, Tom. I was a little surprised at first because, like, why would they come back? I think, though, right. talking as we've been talking about this, I think that was done to um, to reinforce that she is an antihero. Right. She is. Uh, she might be the quote unquote bad guy right now, but she's also a hero uh, of you know, the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett and they don't want to make her evil. And so they kind of show that they make it look like she's about ready to kill the security manager. And, right. and then she just like, you know, hands him some credits and is like, call me if they come back, you know? And so it's a, they're kind of showing that she is, she's actually a good character. She's got heart, right? She's got a heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you think about? She also blasted, you know, just local police, civilians, <laughs> taxi cabs. I mean, you know, but just collateral she damage, leave, though. Wasn't she did leave a trail. Minor detail. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys think about this episode? There is nothing about crosshair. I, I I would like to see more crosshair, but I it's starting to feel like they're just going to slow roll this no matter what we wish. I'm thinking mm. it might be an every uh, other week thing. Yeah. I, I suspect we see him next week, but it doesn't surprise me that uh, he'll, and even then I expect we'll still be on Camino, largely seeing the kind of transition into stormtroopers versus him actually out and chasing the bad batch. Right. I think we'll start to see that more in the second half of the season, or maybe it's kind of a mid season stinger. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the best theory is that they're gonna somehow end up trying to save him but i think the key to that's going to be tech figuring out because they never uh went back to tech trying to put together the quote-unquote tech to uh 
scan for the uh, inhibitor chip in their heads. So I would imagine once they get that storyline rolling again, then it's going to somehow start bringing in Crosshair. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see. I mean, we're, we're a quarter of the way through the season, which is hard to believe. Um, and I, it, it still feels like the show is just starting to get off the ground. I mean, I think um, on a technical level, it's great. On the storytelling level, we're still just kind of seeing the batch try to survive on their own. Um, and it's starting, it's still, the momentum is still kind of slow so far, but I think it'll start to pick up mm-hmm. uh, as we, as we go along. No, uh, I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I certainly hope so. I, I suspect it will. So, well, with that, uh, Tom, what would you give this episode? I'm giving it a 7.5. I, I like the episode for what it was. Again, I've, I've said it. It definitely feels like it's a typical episode to where it's going to start moving things forward. It's a breather for what we saw before. So it's it's a typical Star Wars episode that, that is to be expected. And, and I enjoyed it for what it was. I am giving it a 7.5. My 7.5 Womp Rats. Um, the one thing you did not see with that little dog creature that Omega actually ran to, to try and, you know, take she, the the scene that was cut was she was going to take, she was able to find 7.5 womp rats and she was going to barter with the gentleman to kind of trade them for one of the dogs. So she could take it back uh, to the bad batch. And uh, that way wrecker could have somebody else. He can hug instead of his little Tuka doll that he's got. But you know that that wouldn't didn't come to be because the seven point five seven point five Womp Rats kind of ran away on her, so that's why she wasn't able to get the little dog. It's too bad. Yeah, although it would have been fun to see that half Womp Rat run away, but you know, I think that was probably because one of the dogs at eight number eight made it half. So, yeah. Steven, please please go next. Um. I think I'm going to give this a, I'll give it a seven this week. I think um, generally just another solid episode. I think Omega bothered me a little bit, as I kind of mentioned, um, that's probably the biggest detractor I had. Um, but the chasing was, was pretty solid and I enjoyed seeing kind of Fennec Sean make an appearance um, or reappearance, I suppose, or first appearance. I don't know. Um, and uh, I look forward to kind of seeing how the story continues to develop. Um, and I do, I will say, I, I don't mind a show starting out with a lot of these kind of little like one-off episodes, but I do hope we kind of kick into gear and get some, a little bit more of the plot type stuff going like we saw in the first kind of extra long episode. Mm. Um, hopefully that will be in the next episode or two. Um, but yeah, my seven Womp Rats, uh, well, you know, we talked about how Fennec Shand has kind of left uh, a ton of destruction in her wake um, but it's okay because they were all womp rats. They were the ones driving and, you know, or the, they were the the policemen. Um, so the fact that the womp rats, you know, took a little bit of damage, they're used to it. It's just part of the job. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> in our they're rating, in That's our rating system, more horrible, but in our rating system, they do not clearly have a wide range of assets to pull from. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, um, you know, actually, Stephen, I'm I'm with you there. I I think this episode was it was good. You know, I think overall, like there's some neat moments, great animation. Um, I enjoyed the moment with like you know, uh, with uh, Echo trying to pretend to be a droid, that sort of thing. But like 
overall, it, you know, yeah, we're kind of seeing them have to struggle with um, with money and supplies and that sort of thing. But it's not super exciting yet. Um, and the introduction of Fennec Shand is cool. Um, but again, you know, I think it really just felt like the intro episode for Fennec Shand more than anything else going on. So, um, and you know, since her, she's very mysterious right now, we're not getting a lot of that momentum yet. Um, but still it's, you know, it was, it was a fun episode and it was actually, um, interesting to see, uh, it's cool to see Christian Taylor back in the writing spot as well. Uh, we actually haven't seen him, uh, since season six of the Clone Wars. So, um, welcome back Christian Taylor. And, uh, yeah, um, I think I'm going to give this overall seven Womp Rats, uh, out of 10, like you, Steven, and my seven Womp Rats. Well, you're wondering how Fennec Shand found Omega so quickly. She used her seven tracking Womp Rats. <laughs> uh, of course, we should have known. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, I think that's about it for this week. Um, I said we're a quarter of the way through the season, uh, I want to thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week with our review of The Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 5. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.